Despite the ongoing fighting in Ukraine, the country's defense ministry released a video thanking supporters, including Taiwan. Meanwhile, a trade delegation from the European Parliament also took the opportunity to thank Taiwan for standing with the EU in its responses to Russia's invasion of Ukraine. The delegation also praised Taiwan for being measured and responsible in its response to ongoing Chinese aggression. Thank you. Ukraine's defense ministry posted a video to Twitter thanking the country's friends in the international community for their support. The ministry said that over 20,000 volunteer soldiers from 52 countries had joined the Ukrainian defense effort and displayed the flags of the volunteers' countries. Among them was Taiwan's national flag. The video also thanked the thousands of people and organizations who donated supplies to Ukraine and the numerous celebrities and politicians who have spoken up on behalf of the country. The video had a message for those who have demonstrated on behalf of Ukraine too, telling them, to all those who visit us during our darkest hour, you are all heroes, and we will win this fight together. A visiting delegation from the European Parliament on Tuesday also thanked Taiwan for its support for Ukraine, and praised Taiwan for its response to ongoing threats from China. In this spirit, let me express our gratitude for the fact that you are on the right side of history in supporting our response to the unconscionable war of Putin in Ukraine. Let me also congratulate you on your measured and responsible reaction to unprovoked and increasing aggression and provocation from China. This is the first delegation to Taiwan of officials from the European Parliament's Committee on International Trade. There is a deep significance to the participation of each member of the delegation to the development of our bilateral relations and economic exchange. In face of the ongoing global expansion of authoritarianism, Taiwan is capable and willing to strengthen its cooperation with partners on the defense of democracy. The European Parliament has sent three delegations to Taiwan since last year. President Tsai says the visits demonstrate the importance that the EU member states place on their relationships with Taiwan. She said she hopes the two sides can sign a bilateral investment agreement as soon as possible, as well as strengthen cooperation in different areas. Taipei officials resigned en masse on Tuesday morning, just days ahead of the inauguration of the new mayor for the capital, the KMT's Jiang Wanan. To thank the officials for their service, Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe presided over an award ceremony on Tuesday. The occasion offered Ke a last chance to chat with his administrative team while posing for photos with the awards. First, Taipei's top officials have resigned en masse ahead of the change in administration. To thank them for their service, Taipei Mayor Ke Wenzhe presented them with certificates and medals of achievement. The ceremony also turned to be a chance for Ke to say some last words to his team. At each certificate handed, Ke asked the recipient what their next steps would be. He was also curious to learn why not all officials were receiving a medal. (laughs) 
During one of the muttered exchanges, the head of the Department of Information and Tourism explained that he wasn't getting a medal because he had previously been given a demerit, prompting Kerr to burst out laughing. During his final address, Kerr thanked all in the team for leading the city with him over the past eight years. Together with the deputy mayors, the heads of the different departments today resigned en masse before the start of the new municipal administration takes over on December 25th. I would like to thank all of our colleagues for all your contributions and the citizens of Taipei for their support. Thank you all a million. Ke also added that he hoped the Jiang administration would take over smoothly. The outgoing mayor was also asked about how he felt about the fact that a total of 113 officials had left their posts over the course of his mandate. Some officials retired, others moved on to work in the central government, and some stayed on and got moved to other positions. It's a number that I think is okay. The Taipei Dome Project documents have already been sent to the central government. They've been under review for a year and eight months already. So once they clear the review in the central government, the steps after that are quite easy. It would just be drafting a plan for a soft opening. The Taipei mayor maintains that the central government is to blame for the multiple problems that have plagued the Taipei Dome project during his mandate. To wrap up, the mayor posed for a group photo with the municipal team, marking the end of an era for Taipei. The Ministry of National Defense on Tuesday offered more details on its updated training regimen for voluntary recruits, which will take effect next year. The duration of the training will be extended to 380 hours over eight weeks with a more diverse curriculum featuring sports science and casualty care, among others. The new program also puts extra emphasis on marksmanship, requiring recruits to shoot a total of 160 rounds of ammunition before the end of training. Soldiers are hard at training in case their skills are required in a Chinese invasion. In recent years, criticism has mounted over the training regime for Taiwan's voluntary recruits, with some people saying it is too conservative and traditional, resulting in soldiers who are not able to respond to modern-day threats. The Ministry of National Defense has announced it is changing its training curriculum starting next year. The military has considered the need for combat training and taken into account the training regimes of other advanced countries, so the main focus is actual combat. Originally, the duration of training was 230 hours over five weeks. That will be increased to 380 hours over eight weeks. There will be four types of courses, regular classes, physical combat skills, weapons training, and combat training. The courses will feature an array of subjects including stress management on the battlefield, sports science, casualty care, survival skills, tactical marching and jungle training. Originally, the program only required trainees to shoot 86 rounds of ammunition in the prone position. Now they'll be firing 160 rounds in standing, kneeling and prone positions and while marching. There will also be specialized courses about operating weapons and equipment depending on the needs of the different military units that the recruits are assigned to. The comprehensive training course includes specialized training, training at military bases, joint drills and combat planning exercises to strengthen the combat abilities of soldiers and officers in performing combat missions. The ministry had previously said it would announce by year's end its definite plans to extend the duration of conscription from four months to one year. Premier Su Zhenchang has said the plan is in its final stages for deliberation.
The extension of conscription is a matter that covers a very big range of issues. It involves the international strategic situation and national security considerations, as well as the need to boost our combat readiness and the rights of conscripts, including educational and economic factors. The ministry is currently in the final stages of coordination and planning and finalizing the details. I believe a public announcement will be made right when the plans are finalized. The ministry stressed that the plans for longer conscription would be announced as soon as possible. The candidates for Taipei's legislative by-election drew lots on Tuesday to decide the order in which they will appear on the ballot. In total, three people will be up for election. Enoch Wu from the DPP, Wang Hongwei from the KMT and independent candidate Xiao Heling. Wu will be number one on the ballot, Wang number two and Xiao number three. After picking their numbers, Wu and Wang shook hands, which has been interpreted as a sign that they will strive for clean play during campaigning. Xiao himself was not present at the event, with the lot drawn instead by Central Election Commission head Lan Shicong. Now we meet a widow who started a new chapter of her life as a baker. More than a decade ago, Dian Tian Jingyu's life changed forever when her husband was killed in a traffic accident. Dian was plunged into a new role as a breadwinner with no clear way to keep the family afloat. But with help from the victim support group, she learned to bake bread. Now she has a thriving business in Xinzu. She wants her story to bring hope to folks facing similar dark days. Tian Qingyu adds flour, yeast, a sourdough starter, and soy milk into the blender. The dough sits in a warm place to rise. Then it's placed in individual molds and goes into the oven. Before long, the golden loaves emerge. Sweet milk spread and savory pepper with cheese are some of the flavors on offer. All the delicious recipes are expertly baked by Tian. You wouldn't guess that she only turned to baking out of necessity. After her husband was killed in a traffic accident, she had to find a way to support her family. I didn't know what sadness was then. I just knew I had to arrange the funeral, and when that was sorted, the most important thing was the future. It was really... We had no money, and the text messages about the mortgage just kept coming. Beset by debt, Tian also had two small children to care for, but she managed to survive, taking up every chance to earn money, making pickled cabbage and crunchy plums, and sewing clothes. Then the Crime Victims Protection Association reached out its supports and taught her how to bake bread. Back then, every time I made something, the association people said it was awful and tasted so bad. I wondered how come other people could make things so delicious, and I did it so badly, so I wanted to try again and again. This whiteboard in Tian's kitchen now has on it all the orders for the day, written up by her son and daughter-in-law, as well as the days of the week when her stall is open. As you can see, it's a busy schedule. Fate dealt Tian a dreadful hand, but she didn't let it be the end of the story. Now she hopes her resilience can inspire others facing a similar tragedy. And with the year soon coming to an end, many of us are starting to plan out our budgets for 2023. But remember that a tax cut will come into effect in May with a rise for tax exemption and deduction thresholds. The measure is hoped to offer reprieve amid rising inflation and consumer prices. Let's hear from the people on the street. 
会蛮有感觉，因为我自己住，然后就是家里也没有给开销。I think people will definitely benefit from that. I live by myself, and my family doesn't give me an allowance. The tax cuts would definitely be beneficial for taxpayers. 但是以我们的物价指数上涨幅度这么高的话来看的话，哈，一般的民众的感觉啊。The thing is, if we look at the price consumer index, prices for the average person have gone up by 10% or 20%. The exemption threshold is going up by 3% or 4%. So it's not a lot for the average person. The personal tax exemption, which currently stands at 88,000 NT, will go up by 4,000 to 92,000 NT. The standard deduction for single filers will also go up by 4,000 NT to 124,000 NT. Meanwhile, the special deduction for salary earners and people with disabilities will be raised by 7,000 NT to 207,000 NT. It's one month ago until the Lunar New Year when people across Taiwan return home to see their families. This year, those plans may be disrupted if the Taiwan Railway Labor Union goes ahead with a proposed strike. The union said it is dissatisfied with not being consulted on several points related to the corporatization on the railway company. Though the Taiwan Railways Administration says it has maintained communication with the union, the two parties have yet to sit down for talks. The union says it will meet next week to discuss whether to strike. With the Lunar New Year long holiday just around the corner, the Taiwan Railway Labor Union is again mulling a holiday strike. Of course, this will cause difficulties. The management and labor should properly communicate and work this out. Some members of the public have expressed concerns that getting home for the holiday may be difficult. The union says it is dissatisfied with some of the procedures in the planned corporatization of the TRA. Specifically, union members said they were not consulted in regard to proposed vehicle maintenance regulations under the corporate. For such a large transportation network, we can't allow trains to have any problems at all. In the interest of railway safety, let's first stop the trains completely for the Lunar New Year, so we can have a good talk. After that, we can think about holiday transportation. In response, Transport Minister Wang Guocai visited the union to see if there was room to maneuver on the potential strike. We are coordinating with the union, always coordinating. This problem of poor communication runs counter to what we worked out on May 18th. This is a problem of bad faith on your part, so don't accuse us of not showing goodwill. With the two sides still not at the negotiating table, passengers may find themselves without trains to ride home before the Lunar New Year holiday. The union has said it will hold a meeting on December 27 to discuss strike action. The public may need to wait one more week to find out whether their travel plans can go ahead. Today in our spotlight story, we meet Alexander Sokolenko, who served as a doctor in the Ukrainian War. Sokolenko was invited by the Formosa Republic Association to give speeches at hospitals around Taiwan. He also went to Hualien to thank and pay his condolences to the family of Zhen Senguang, a 25-year-old Taiwanese man who went to Ukraine as a volunteer soldier and lost his life. In an exclusive interview with FTV reporter Stephanie Yang, Sokolenko shared his experience as a frontline war doctor. He also praised Taiwan's medical treatment and voiced his hopes to cooperate with Taiwan to help even more people in need. Sharing photos of the time he was serving on the front line, this is Ukrainian doctor Sokolenko. He was originally a general surgeon, 
But when he saw his hometown being invaded, he decided to don a military uniform and become a frontline volunteer doctor. For six months, he was on call 24 hours a day to save lives. Our heroes still fighting in very bad conditions. So uh, our people are fighting in, I already told that against like very strong enemy, but we are fighting in like without lights, without water, in the cold weather. And our doctors work 24 per seven and work really hard and do a lot of work. So different people join to war to resist damage control surgery and yeah I, I can't share everything but yeah directly me I did like medical medical care. The Formosa Republic Association invited Sokolenko to visit Taiwan and share his experiences on the battlefield as a frontline war doctor. At one stop, he visited National Taiwan University Hospital to learn about wound healing and reconstruction. During his stay, Sokolenko also had the opportunity to try various Taiwanese delicacies. Also, I really hope that I will have a chance to learn from Chang'an Memorial Hospital because, you know, Taiwan, you're on the top of the world in reconstructions. You're a great country with great doctors and great people for sure. And of course, great food. He also made a trip to Hualien to visit the family of Zin Zin Guang, a Taiwanese man who died in November volunteering as a soldier in Ukraine. Sokolenko was so moved that he knelt down thanking Zin for his sacrifice for Ukraine. And for us, he stayed a Ukrainian and we will remember him as all foreign volunteers who come to help us. And for sure, from now, his family is our family too. And we also respond for them. That's why I decided to visit his parents. I just, I just try to take a little bit of their pain and share it with me because I know I, I, don't, I can't imagine their pain, but I try to do my best to support them a little bit. Sokolenko said he hopes to build stronger ties with Taiwan, especially in cooperation with NGOs. In addition, he also said he would do his best to help Taiwan because the two countries share common values. I believe that we have same values. Taiwanese and Ukrainians uh, have same values and both of us, either of us, choose democracy. And I think we have pretty similar situations. Fall in love in your country and uh, you have a really warm people and really warm nation. And I believe and I hope and I pray that you will never get that experience as we get. But I will try to help in any way I can to help you. I will try to do my best to help your people. Praising Taiwan's kind people and advanced medical care, Sokolenko says he hopes to invite more Ukrainian doctors to come to Taiwan. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Li Hunt in Taipei. Ornithologists are celebrating large flocks of cormorants in Taiwan this winter. The cormorant is one of the best hunters of the bird world. 
and this year there are more than 1,500 in Taiwan. Experts say they are a great boon for the ecosystem, hunting invasive fish species and contributing to river ecology. They can be seen giving beautiful aerial shows in Greater Taipei from October through February. Hundreds of cormorants flock across the sky, a magnificent sight. They've gathered to hunt on the river. Bird lovers watch them wheeling in the air or doing the caterpillar tracks. When they succeed in catching a tilapia fish, they gulp it down in one mouthful, leaving nothing to spare. Upwards of 1,500 cormorants are here at Changshou Bridge in Taipei's Songshan District for the winter. Other birds in the heron family are amazed when they see cormorants hunting. So they wait at the side for the fish that have been chased up by the cormorants, the little fish, to jump out of the water. Then they can enjoy some of the spoils of the hunt. When a flock of cormorants takes to the air, they often stay close to the surface of the water, paddling their legs and kicking up a white wave. But they're masterful underwater hunters. Experts think they overwinter in Taiwan because of the habitats available. Plus, the tilapia in Jilong River are their favorite. The cormorants can eliminate 400,000 invasive tilapia for us in one year. And that also tells us something. We have had some results in our efforts to improve water quality in Jilong River and Danshui River in the last few years. Cormorants can be seen in large numbers in Taiwan from October to February. They come here to enjoy a good winter and at the same time help to rebalance the ecosystem and to restore the health of our rivers.